1: This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers.
0: Welcome into your Friday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Hope you're having a lovely, lovely Friday and excited for a big weekend last weekend before the Super Bowl. I promise we'll talk a lot, a lot about the Super Bowl next week, and we'll get into it a little bit today as well. In today's show, first, actually, we'll take a look at some Super Bowl props on BetRivers that you can bet besides the spread money liner total, some interesting things on there. And then, of course, we have to recap the UCLA at Arizona game, unfortunate, unfortunate for UCLA fans like myself, and USC at ASU, which, frankly, USC won, but I would be concerned if I was a USC fan. Uh, and of course, we'll look ahead to their Saturday games because they will be swapping Arizona opponents and USC will have to take on Arizona. Uh, finally, though, NBA Lakers at Clippers went on on Thursday night. We'll talk about it and look ahead to their weekend matchups. Clippers play Sunday. They're hosting the Bucks, And the Lakers play Saturday... Hosting the Knicks. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles Lines available at Bett River Sportsbook. So for the Super Bowl on February 13th, Bengals, Rams. Rams are a four-and-a-half point favorite now. Total sitting at 48-and-a-half. Again, this has moved down from 49-and-a-half, gotten down to 48-and-a-half, but stuck uh, since a couple days ago when we last talked. But the line here has moved just a little bit. I believe the opening line for this at some books was three-and-a-half. Rams now up to four-and-a-half. So up from four on Monday already. So just a little bit of movement. I told you that I thought four was, you know, a little disrespectful to the Rams. But now that it's a Super Bowl, like that sounds kind of silly, but everything's on the line here. It's win or go home. You never know what's going to happen. And it always seems like the underdogs seem to have an advantage in some way in these Super Bowls. Uh, Even though I think the Bengals are by far, if not the most surprising team to make it to a Super Bowl in many, many years. So... Lots to unpack there, but we'll have plenty of time to break it down throughout the week. Um, we'll have lots of crossover action. We're going to do Ryan Rothstein from the Philadelphia CityCast next week and Will Hill and hopefully Dan Leach, a Will from the New York City cast and Dan from the Detroit CityCast. So lots and lots of crossover action going on next week. Everybody wants to talk about the Rams uh, or maybe they just want to see the Bengals beat them. For the NBA, Clippers still eighteen to one to win the West, forty to one to win it all. Lakers seven to one to win the West, eighteen to one to win it all. Uh, that is generous. That's still at eighteen to one, really, because the Clippers and Lakers records are right around the same. And I get it because of the personnel, but okay. Meanwhile, college basketball: UCLA seventeen to one to win the tourney, USD fifty to one. Gotta imagine those have to get a little bit longer. For both of these teams, really. You can find all these odds at River Sportsbook. And the other things you can find uh, are Super Bowl bets. So let's take a look at some of these. The MVP odds. Let's start there. Obviously, this usually tends to be something you'd look at a quarterback for, right? So Matt Stafford is plus 130. He's the shortest shot on here. Because I guess, you know, Rams are favored. They're assuming if they win this game, it's going to be because of Matt Stafford. And then Joey B, that is how he'll be referred to. So forth in this episode, cause it's adorable. Uh, and it also, you know, infantilizes him, which is great because infantilizes, there we go. Infantilizes him, uh, which I think helps the Rams. It just, you know, if you look at him, like he's the kid from home alone, then I think that's only stands to gain for the Rams, Joey B plus two twenty five. In this MVP race here, Cooper Cup is the next closest, and he is six to one. From there, the odds jump a little bit into double digits. Jamar Chase is fifteen to one. Aaron Donald sixteen to one, and then Joe Mixon, first uh, running back on there, twenty-five to one. OBJ is also twenty-five to one, and for a you know crazy long shot as well, Ramsey sixty-six to one. Jalen Ramsey. So as you can see, between Stafford and Joey B, those are kind of the top people here, but if you wanted to venture outside of a quarterback, lots of people have been talking about Cooper cup and it makes sense because if the Rams win this game, it's going to be the Matt Stafford, Cooper cup connection. And we know that nobody's been able to break it. You know, it's literally been like Harry Potter and Voldemort in that, uh, I'm going to say the fourth movie, uh, with the ones just unable to break their, their grass. It's just, it's a connection that nobody's been able to upset really. Um, so it's understandable that people be wanting to look to Cooper Cup, who's also Mr. Yards after catch, really. 6-1. Uh, to one. That's way more value than you see with Matt Stafford, but you are getting plus money on him, plus 130. So if you're very, very confident in the Rams winning, uh, pretty good chance it could go to Matt Stafford, and then it would probably go to him over Cooper Cup. And what a cool story, too, just side note, storyline-wise. Just Matt Stafford toiling away in Detroit and then comes to the Rams and in his first season wins a Super Bowl. Well, first of all, makes it to a Super Bowl when he heard so much flack over the years of he can't win in playoff games, which is patently untrue now. So... Uh, It's hard not to root for him, in my opinion. Um, And it's funny too, because I'm sure actually when we bring Dan Leach on from the Detroit CityCast, I would love to get his take on this because I think that a lot of Detroit fans are cheering for Matt Stafford here uh, because they were Stafford fans for years. So storyline wise, that would be just adorable. Uh, Joey B it's like, you're some punk kid to me. He's great. He's so much fun to watch, but like you're a punk kid and you got years to do this later. I know he wants to do it. Everybody loves, you know, Patrick Mahomes was so young when he has come into his own, come into his prominence, but Joey B, you made it to the super bowl. You know, let Matt Stafford have this one. He's been waiting over a decade. Uh, but yeah, Cooper cup six to one. Uh, I don't see how you would really play Jamar chase. You know, 15 to 1. Aaron Donald, 16 to 1. I would love for him to be in the discussion. I don't think he will be, unfortunately. Um, And unless OBJ does something completely heroic and insane that wins them this game, I mean, 25 to 1. I don't know. Uh, So, yeah. I think if you want something a little bit longer, Cooper Cup, 6 to 1 is interesting. But have fun with it. Look around, you know? Also, you can bet the playing position of the MVP. So, you can bet that it's going to be a quarterback that wins it one way or the other. So, Joey B or... Matt Stafford, you get that at minus 278. You want to go ahead and take a look at what it would actually cost you, though, to put money down on Stafford and Joey B instead of playing, yes, a quarterback will win it at minus 278 because you're getting Joey B at plus 225. You're getting Stafford at plus 130. Uh, so if you just play both of those, might be better value than you playing quarterback at minus 278. At this point, it's been bet up, right? Right. The no on that, by the way. You can bet no, it will not be a quarterback, meaning it'll go to any other position at plus 215. Eh, you could do it. You know, if, yeah, if you think, but uh no, not I don't love it. Uh Wide receiver, also three to one here. So that would be any wide receiver or defensive line, 11 to one. Like, no, like just take an Aaron Donald at 16 to one and move on with your life. Uh Also. Total Rams players to have a rushing attempt, including overtime. Total Rams players to have a rushing attempt. Over 3.5 is minus 162. Under 3.5 plus 145. Uh, That's not gotten completely crazy out of hand, depending on what your tolerance is for, you know, the juice and whatnot. But over 3.5 for a rushing attempt? I mean, who's that going to be? Sony? Cam? Well, I mean... Who are these two other people going to be? Stafford is going to is going to rush a little bit, um, not terrible, not not terrible, but also not incredible value either. I don't know how much fun of a bet that is either that you would be sitting through. And I'm always trying to have fun when I'm betting, um, whenever possible. And obviously, winning money is the most fun of all. So yeah, not not super exciting. Passing yards wise, if we take a look at the stats for Joey B and Matt Stafford Matthew. Joey B, 276 and a half is at minus 112s on the over and the under. And then Stafford, 279 and a half. So just three yards more on Stafford's prop. Also a minus 112 on both sides. Uh, but you can also get Joey B, if you think he's going to have one of those 300-yard games, over 299 and a half at plus 145 for the over. So if you think over 300 yards for Joey B, you can get a little plus 145 action on that. I don't hate that. Uh, I just am not convinced of what we're going to see in this game at this point, because the way that the Bengals defense has been playing and the way that the Rams need their defense to play and and have been playing to be fair. Are we going to see this really tight defensive matchup, but we have these two incredible passing quarterbacks and are we going to see fireworks from them or it's, it's just really interesting. I don't know if the offenses are going to just go blow for blow. But these defenses seem too good to allow that happen, especially on the Ram side of things. So, be very, very interesting. Passing touchdowns also a prop you could look at. Stafford over two and a half passing touchdowns at plus one sixty, uh, and Burrow over one and a half passing touchdowns minus one fifty. So, a little bit of juice there. But Stafford over two and a half total passing touchdowns at plus one sixty. Not crazy. Not crazy at all. Um, not super juicy, not super exciting. But if that's something that you you know have strong gumption for, then plus 160, a little plus money. You can also bet on a ton of other things with these quarterbacks, by the way. You can check it out. But completion percentage, like different brackets of that over under... And then their passer rating, same situation. You can do their total passing yards per quarter or per half. Uh, So they really break it down, each thing. So if you really, really have some convictions about how you think this game is going to play out, you can literally go in and bet it that way. And also, those are markets probably that don't get bet as much. It probably isn't going to be sharper better, so we're going to go in and and do something like that. Um, So maybe there's value to be found there as well. I think, like I said, we're going to see a really, really strong defensive performance. I hope that is the case, uh, because I don't see the Rams winning this game without that. Uh, So, looking at sacks here, because poor, poor Joey B, as we have not forgotten so recently, versus the Titans, was sacked nine times. Now, the Chiefs didn't get to him as much, but this Rams... Front four that I've been waxing poetic about since this matchup was announced is going to be brutal. So you can bet on how many total sacks are going to be in this game. Five and a half is the number. Over five and a half is minus one of six. Under is actually minus one eighteen. Total sacks. That's including like Stafford. If the Bengals got to Stafford, uh, the Bengals number two. You could just bet on how many total sacks the Bengals will. So how many times they'll sack Matt Stafford? That's at one and a half. And then the Rams total sacks, are they going to sack Joe Burrow four times? Because that would hit an over. The number's three and a half over at minus 104 and then under at minus 121. So the fact that it's due slightly under, are people taking under on Rams total sacks under three and a half? I get it uh, because that's a lot of sacks. But if there was a team to do this against, it would be the Bengals. It just would. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, Aaron Donald and Von Miller, by the way, if you wanted to pick something uh, more specific, over half a sack for each of them uh, would be minus 177, both of them. So people are expecting a lot <laughs> from those two guys, and understandably so. Uh, some other ones that kind of popped out to me, Cam Akers to Fumble, which like mean but funny, uh, plus 450. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen, but it's on there. And I was like, plus 450. We saw him do this nearly twice versus the Bucks already. Um, And then we know he's going to get a lot of touches as well. So the opportunity is there. Cooper Cup player to record the longest reception. So not Cooper Cup's longest reception prop necessarily per yards because those have gotten crazy, but just player to record the longest reception. Cooper Cup is two to one. I like that. I like that. Here are the people behind him. Jamar Chase at plus two fifty. T. Higgins seven to one. Or OBJ at plus seven fifty. So Jamar's plus two fifty cup is two to one. Tell me why it's not cup. I, I maybe I just you know what, to be fair, I have not watched as many Bengals games as I have Rams games this year. So maybe I'm just completely underestimating Joey B and these, you know, just the gunslinger that he is, apparently. Um I said that like he's not, but he obviously is. <laughs> but Cooper cup two to one longest reception. I like it. I, I like that. And like, it's two to one. It's like a little pop. It's a little interesting. And it, it doesn't seem completely far-fetched at all. It seems likely if anything, I'm surprised to see it at two to one, Uh, total turnovers, by the way, over one and a half at plus plus one twenty. I believe that's for the Rams number over one and a half. Uh, so if you think that, the ball's going to be turned over a lot, like we've seen as of late. Get a little plus money there. You can also bet total points in the first half, as always. That's a pretty straightforward one. And I thought these numbers were both pretty interesting because it depends on, again, how you think the game strip's going to go for this one. Rams, first half, point total, 13 and a half With over at minus 117 and under at minus 113. So if you think they're going to get two touchdowns in before the first half... I think is feasible. If anything, the Bengals made adjustments in the second half versus the Chiefs, right? I don't know. Again, not a ton of value, but something you could go down if you believe that you have that that kind of game, game plan in mind here. And then the Bengals, 10.5 is their point total for the first half. Uh, so not a number I like as much because it's ten and a half. I like it better, obviously, at nine and a half or something. But over is plus 115, so you're getting a little more plus money there. The under is minus 150. So if you think the Rams are really going to give the Bengals offense a lot of trouble, they're not going to be able to score very much in the first half. I mean, under minus 150, a lot of people already seem to think that. So lots of interesting stuff that you can get into and bet. I try tend to not get into the nitty-gritty of this so, so much. It's not something that I'm you know elite at yet. Um, and for me, a lot of times I go into props and it's something that I just tack on as like a fun thing. And I would say I'd have to look at the actual odds, but off the top, I'm going to say I'm like probably 40% on those, which is not horrible, especially because usually what I'm taking is, uh, you know, two to one or higher when I'm looking at props like this, I'm not usually looking at stuff that's, you know, in the one hundreds and I'm usually not looking at stuff that's minus, uh. But if you have any strong convictions on these, these are great places to find some value besides the spread, the money line, or the total. And it's the Super Bowl, so, you know, have some fun with it. Uh, that's all for the Super Bowl today, though. Plenty, plenty to talk about next week. But coming up, UCLA lost to Arizona in Tucson, and the Trojans face them next on Saturday. Let's talk about it on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bett River Sportsbook.
1: Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bett River Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to BetRivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the BetRivers mobile app or go to BetRivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where BetRivers is licensed and in New Jersey at PlaySugarhouse.
0: Welcome back into the Los Angeles Citycast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host Danielle Alvari. Let's talk about UCLA at Arizona. Yes, I will talk about this game because I talked about this at length when they played in Poly Pavilion, so it's only fair to give Arizona their due uh, for winning this game. So congrats to Arizona on their first win over UCLA since 2018. Really big deal for them. Sure they're very excited. Um, that's it. I'm done talking talking smack. Arizona won and covered as six and a half, even seven point favorites in some spots, 76 to 66. It's unfortunate because towards the end there, UCLA was in covering zone. There's a couple moments where they were in covering zone. They got it actually within four with about four, three and a half minutes left, uh, and had an opportunity. I think it was a Cody Riley and he just, uh, Went into you know, lay it in, and there's two seven-footers under the basket. There was just no way. And from there, I feel like the momentum completely switched back in favor of Arizona. Um, their offense bounced back in a really, really big way. The under still hit, though. Under uh, 149 would have been the number here. Even 148, I think I saw at some point, 148 and a half. But final, obviously, being 142 points scored, that's a huge credit to both of these defenses. Really, really nice defensive performances. More so from UCLA in the second half. It's tough because when I look at this UCLA team, they were not completely healthy going into tonight, and they've been playing a little bit of, of kind of what we've seen really everywhere in sports. The first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, the Clippers most recently when they just had players rotating in and out and in and out. Um, for UCLA, just having to shift lineups, shift lineups, Jalen Clark's been out for, what, four games now, and he's a huge defensive presence for them and just really brings that aspect for them. And then Johnny Juzang was out for a week. He missed Stanford and Cal last week with a positive COVID test. He was cleared for this game. He goes in. He gets two fouls right away. He plays eight minutes of the first half. And UCLA ends up down by 12 at the half. Now, frankly, it should have been more. Arizona should have been up by, like, 30 at the half. They were shooting 60%. Like I said, defense was tight. Uh, but they did turn over the ball a good amount. That's kind of also something I've harped on USC for a little bit so far. Uh, more on that in a few minutes. But turned the ball over a lot. They, I mean, they really should have been up by a lot more. Uh, but their offense was was their saving grace. So they were up by 12 at the half. No Johnny Juzang for most of that first half for UCLA. And again, coming back from a week off. So not sure if that played into this at all for him. Um, but... Arizona, really, really, their offense, this was kind of gritty because it still didn't look as good as it should, if we're being honest. But it bounced back in a huge way after really tough loss in Polly Pavilion that shook them up, I'm sure, and then go to face Arizona State, whose defense is doing good things but is not a good team, really, in the Pac-12. Should not be a team that's giving them a lot of trouble. I mean, their defense is actually pretty good. <laughs> But nevertheless, two low-scoring affairs. So to come out and score 76 here, uh, pretty pretty impressive for them. I mean, Mathurin, four of eight. He added 11 points. I was really impressed with him from Arizona more than anybody else. Chrissa uh, or Krisa? I don't know. I think it's Krisa. Uh, was, you know... <sighs> I feel bad saying this, but everyone's like, oh, you know, he's quickly become a favorite Arizona. I think they said on the broadcast, and I was laughing because I was looking at the box score right when they said it, and he was 3 of 10 from 3. So 16 total points, but 3 of 10 is better than 0 of 12 or whatever he was last time that they played. Um, Still not a great shooting percentage, but... Ah, uh, people in glass houses, and UCLA did not shoot well from three, so I am not going to say much else about his three-point shooting except for, yeah, he went three of ten. Uh, to Bellas, by the way, six of nine for 14 points. He was instrumental in this game. Got to use those seven-footers. Must be nice. Um, but really, really tough shooting night overall for UCLA. They were 38.9% field goal shooting percentage and 21.4% from three yuck. I think at the half, it was around 18%. Tiger Campbell, uh, two, maybe. I think he he knocked in two. David Singleton threw one in. Um, Always can count on him for one good three. God, I love David Singleton. Such a good team player. Uh, But yeah, really, really rough shooting night to the point that it's also like, and this, you know, take the bias wherever you see it. But I would say from what I saw in these two games, which how fun that we got to see two top 10 teams match up in like 10 days time. It's like, when does that ever happen? It's just a scheduling flaw because of, you know, the postponed game. But anyways, in these two games, UCLA hosting Arizona, Arizona was held to 30 points below what they were averaging, right? Right. And I think that a large part that was due to UCLA's defense causing them trouble. Now, in this match, I'm not going to say that Arizona's defense didn't throw UCLA off. They absolutely did. But I think what Arizona did better than anything is get their transition offense going again. That's what works for them. They made UCLA play at their pace. And that doesn't work for UCLA, especially when they have two seven-footers and uh, UCLA does not. I mean, Cody Riley is 6'80. does his best. So... I think that Arizona's offense actually threw UCLA off more than anything else. Uh, it sounds like I'm not giving their, their defense credit, but I just mean UCLA shooting, they missed a lot of very makeable shots, open shots, more so than I would say that Arizona did. So just in that regard, when I saw that Arizona game, I think all of us were like, we're going to see this game again in 10 days. It's going to be in Tucson and Arizona is going to shoot better because they shot so poorly, just so badly that it just had to improve, right? Regression to the mean, I guess. And that's kind of how I feel about this UCLA game. I mean, Johnny being out most of it, Jaime not being at 100%, bless his heart. God, he plays hard. How do you not love Jaime Hawkins Jr.? Uh, But out there with a bum ankle, it's been a chronic issue he's been dealing with. So I just can't imagine the kind of pain he plays through. Um, But really, really grateful that he was out there tonight because this really could have been a bloodbath without him out there, honestly. Tiger Campbell, by the way, I mean, the foul trouble, the foul trouble. I've gone this long without talking about the foul trouble, but I don't like to complain about the refs. Nobody, I mean, do they? It seems you know, if you looked at Twitter, you would think people do love to complain about refs. I try not to blame things on the officiating, but this was pretty tough because mm, lots of foul trouble, lots of foul trouble. Johnny Juzang, like I said, two fouls early. He only played eight minutes in the first half. Uh, UCLA finished with 23 fouls to Arizona's 16, which was interesting. And uh, Tiger and Johnny both had three fouls with 12 minutes left in the game, so that was troublesome right off the bat. Blood in the water. And Tiger, by the way, got his third foul for standing up. So that was that was interesting. Uh, an Arizona player was stepping over him as he was trying to stand up because, you know, disrespect. <laughs> What What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? There's so much court for you to be on. Uh, But he stepped over Tiger as Tiger was trying to stand up, and he kind of fell forward and, like, flopped. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, both players got called with technicals on that. What? What? How? Stop. Like, and so Tiger Campbell goes on to foul out with a couple minutes left. And they're like, of course, at that point. When I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, that's how he's going to get his third foul. Well, we're we'll just buckle up, buckle up then. Uh, really bad, really bad foul trouble. And it was the one thing I actually was worried about going into this game uh, because I just thought that's where UCLA is going to have trouble because they're already playing shorthanded in a lot of ways. So um, could not, could not overcome that. The shooting, though. I mean, seriously, they they brought this within four and we're only down by 12 at the half despite shooting like 30%. So this game was actually still so winnable for UCLA. They just did not have any shots falling. And that's, that's an ongoing issue, I think. It can't just be Johnny, right? Um, Jules Bernard, by the way, shout out to him as well. Like, he, Jules Bernard has that... He's just that guy that they can go to that they forget about, it seems like, right? Sometimes he's he, he's in the background. Um, he's not the first guy you think of to step up and take a shot. But then all of a sudden he does, and he takes a couple. I mean, he was being aggressive at the start. I think he had eight attempts or something like that. Um, and UCLA really needed that. They really needed that tonight, and I thought that his tenacity was very impressive. So... All that to say, the shots were not falling. They were not falling. They finished below 40%. They shot better in the second half, but still terrible. And also, free throw shooting was just not up to par for UCLA standards, really. Uh, on the boards, UCLA out-rebounded again. It was pretty close, almost till the end there, though. I have to say, I was kind of keeping track of that, thinking, you know, that they were going to just get whomped in that category again. They did get outboarded 11, so 44 rebounds for Arizona, 36 for UCLA. Uh, But 12 offensive rebounds for UCLA, 8 for Arizona. Defensive rebounds, UCLA 24, Arizona 36. So interesting because, like I said, Arizona kind of got that transitional offense working for them again and pace of play, picking it up, making the UCLA kind of play at their pace. And UCLA having more offensive rebounds is interesting because in the last game, I think they kind of abandoned those in an attempt to get out in front of these this transitional offense. And I don't know if that was done as skillfully tonight. Uh, turnovers, 15 from Arizona, 8 from UCLA. This is what I'm talking about. Like, there are all these holes. And, like, Tommy Lloyd knows this, and what an incredible job he's done so far already with Gonzaga Jr., a.k.a. Arizona. But um, I, that one tickles me. Sorry. <laughs> Really enjoy that. Uh, but he knows this, right? Like, he's going to get this team on track really fast. This is already what he's done in the first year. This is a scary team moving forward, honestly. Like, this is going to be a really, really Pac-12 powerhouse opponent moving forward. It already is. Uh, but 15 turnovers, that is that is not going to fly with him for very long. Um, he knew that they needed to tighten that up. And again, their offense bounced back, but it was still not at the caliber that it should be at and, and needs to be at. Um, their largest lead was 17 points. Makes sense, the way UCLA was shooting. Closest UCLA got in those final minutes where we thought maybe, you know, we're going to get a cover or maybe we're even going to get a money line win. Like, I decided to bet for some funsies. Luckily, my <laughs> I didn't sprinkle that much on the money line, but it was, it was fun to have. It was plus 240 for UCLA. They got it within four points in the final minutes, but it was just... It was a block party for Arizona all night long, really. Nine blocks. A bunch of them came at the end. Final three and a half minutes, Cody Riley, like I said, tried to go up and cut the Arizona lead to two, but denied. Uh, Coloco actually had three blocks. Balo had four. Also, when I was at the UCLA-Arizona game a week ago and I saw Balo in person, uh, I think it's Umar or Omar, um... Biggest male college basketball player I think I've seen in person. Just – and, like, they're all tall. That's not what I'm talking about. He looked like he could bench press Miles Johnson. It was insane. It uh, – he was so – I said someone – okay, let's check this kid's ID because this is insane. He was so big. Um, so four blocks. Four blocks. Really impressive. Uh, that said, I love how this UCLA team plays for each other. You can see that when they huddle up too. Like, they're like – they're like kind of besties. Like these are like these are guys I would not want to mess with. They were down Jalen Clark. Johnny only played eight minutes in the first half, coming off of a week off. Jaime, that bad ankle, just so much heart, just like grit. Grit is the good word. Just grit for this team. And when they're fully healthy, I think, watch out. So my takeaways, Arizona, great, great bounce back uh for them. Bounce back on offense. They shot well. They're well coached. They are young. So, like I said, scary to come. They have size. They have talent. That's a great freaking build, right? So it makes sense why we're seeing this this great matchup between these two teams. But like I said, you can call this salty. That's fine. They should have been able to win by more than 10. I'm just going to say that. They should have been able to win by more than 10 given on UCLA's performance. Like I said, there was turnover issues. There was still not elite shooting necessarily from Arizona. Um, But I would not expect to see UCLA's shooting night again. It was horrible horrible they're not again an offensive powerhouse but this this I wouldn't expect to see again if for example we see these two teams face off in the Pac-12 tournament um and overall incredible defense on both sides especially the second half for UCLA more so that's when they kind of locked it back in UC USC also played at ASU and I was shocked shocked at how this game went it was ugly A couple details here. 58-53, to USC wins it. They win just by five, and yes, nobody broke 60 points in this game. ASU actually covers because USC was a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, depending on the number you got, but yeah, they they kept it within five, and USC was a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. So ASU gets the cover, actually, and of course, this goes way, way under. The total was already pretty low, 134-and-a-half, but way, way under. And if you just look at the the kind of box score breakdown and, and, you know, the team stats of this all. Field goal percentage for SC, 30%. I was just talking about how bad UCLA shot and they finished with 38%. ASU shot 32.8%. Why are they shooting better than USC? Uh, Three-pointers at least. Uh, USC made more of those, but they went 6 of 24, 25% from 3. And ASU went 3 of 21. But, like, to be expected from that team, we already know that that's not their thing. 14% from 3. Uh not that that's USC's thing either, but it's going to have to be a little bit more than that. Free throw still a plague, still a problem for SC. They went 16 of 25. They had 25 shots at this. Uh and they only shot 64%. So, you're leaving 9 points on the table right there. Uh and then ASU went 6 of 8, 75%. Uh SC way out rebounded this team as they should have size advantage here. They had 58 rebounds. Arizona state had 39 huge beat them on the offensive boards, 20 to Arizona's nine or ASU, excuse me. Uh, and then actually surprised here to see, but more assists, more blocks. And I mean, all on Arizona side of things here, Arizona states. So, I don't know what's happening to USC, but the wheels are falling off a little bit here, and they have to get back on track. I just don't know if this is their year now at this point. There's talent to be had here. There's probably a bright future for this program in the next couple years, but looking at how they've looked as of late, it does not look like it's trending in a direction you want to be trending. So... Hoping that that's more of a more of a nod to ASU playing some good defense. They did limit Arizona to very few points the other night, so maybe this is just a nod to ASU's defense, but USC's got to figure that out. It's got to figure it out. Coming up real quick, we'll talk NBA, Lakers at Clippers from Thursday night, plus look ahead to their games this weekend. Next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bett River
1: Sportsbook. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at River Sportsbook. The new Tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to BetRivers before the game, find your match, and tap the Tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the BetRivers mobile app or go to BetRivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where BetRivers is licensed and in New Jersey at PlaySugarHouse.
0: Welcome back into the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I am your host Danielle Avari Let's talk about NBA in LA. Coming up this weekend, Saturday, Knicks at Lakers. If you're not already, follow Will Hill on Twitter. His Twitter is at not the Will Hill because he is not Will Hill the sportsbook, but he is Will Hill, the host of the New York City Cast. Also sponsored by Bet Rivers. I actually think his is Play Sugar House, which is somehow connected to Bet Rivers. That is my extent of that knowledge. Uh, but definitely check out uh, his podcast as well. I'm sure that he's previewed this game as well, Knicks at Lakers, but we'll give you a little quick look ahead. And then Bucks at Clippers also going on on Sunday, which would be more exciting if the Clippers had Paul George or Kawhi, but they don't still. Let's talk about the Lakers first because the Lakers and Clippers actually faced off on Sunday. Thursday evening and Lakers lost by one, but they did cover, uh, they're 25 and 27 straight up now below 500. Yeah. That's the state of things. They're actually four and five ATS in their last nine games. They had been covering every other game for the last 10 games. So just so streaky, but now they've covered two straight. Um, they just lost to the Clippers. As I said, by one that was without LeBron. Okay, in case you missed that, he's dealing with knee swelling, knee tenderness. Can't imagine why. It's not like he's carrying this team on his back. I know I said that in the last podcast, but it's still true. In fact, in the five games, since he came down with the injury, the Lakers are 1-4 straight up and 3-2 and ATS. That tells me this team is good enough to stay in the fight, but not good enough to close it out. (laughs) And that's just a five-game sample. But 1-4 straight up, this is why... For a little while, it was fun little train I was riding of betting of letting the Lakers fall behind and letting LeBron James come back and sacrifice his own knee <laughs> to win these games for the Lakers in the fourth quarter. When he's not playing, I'm not playing a Lakers money line live or otherwise. It's just tough. Uh, and now with the win Wednesday against the Blazers and then the one-point loss to the Clippers on Thursday, I mean, those are two covers, but oof. Lakers right now, 22nd in efficiency differential. Uh, they are 12th in effective field goal percentage, so that is something. But overall, 23rd in points per 100 possessions. So offense has especially, especially struggled without LeBron, and we see that. I think last time we I was talking about how much they missed him on the defensive side of things, but you can really, really see, especially as it pertains to the statistics, how much they're missing LeBron on offense. Um it's really sad because he shouldn't have to carry this team so much. I don't. I. I just. It'd be nice if Anthony Davis could do it, right? Could do it and step up and 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 be able to get this done even without LeBron in the mix. But I get it. LeBron is LeBron. Lakers defense, though, a uh, little bit of improvement. I mean, not on a game to game basis, really. They're just really streaky right now. They're seventeenth in opponents points per hundred possession. They're ninth in the turnover percentage. So um, creating a lot of opportunities for themselves in that way. But for me, this team is just not bettable with LeBron out. Carmelo's day-to-day right now. Anthony Davis kind of was dealing with something he tweaked right after he got back in the mix. Um, No LeBron, like kind of no bets for me. That's how I feel about this Lakers team right now. It's too streaky. We'll see what happens with everything, how everything shakes out with trades or trades that do not happen, but it's tough. When we look at the Knicks side of things, I don't even know who this Knicks team is. They're 24 and 28 straight up. Like, hello, they're five and five ATS in their last 10 games. So against the spread. Uh, so pretty similar actually to how the Lakers have looked as of late, but they're 18th in efficiency differential, uh, on the offensive side of things, nothing to write home about except for really their offensive rebounding percentage, They're eighth in that. So maybe look at some rebounding props for the Knicks, but again, the books know what we know. So keep that in mind. Uh, maybe there's value to be found there. And, uh, Actually, yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis is back in, so that that isn't as juicy as fun. But LeBron James is out, so someone's got to get the boards. Uh, as for the Knicks defense, 12th in opponents' points per 100 possessions and 9th in opponents' effective field goal percentage. So almost top 10 in both of those categories. Uh, so especially with uh, what we've seen, I mean, it depends on the number here, but the total, for example, for the Clippers-Lakers game on Thursday, I believe, was 220, and it went over by 1%. And I really chalk that up to this being kind of a rivalry game. There was a little bit of pride on the line. There's two LA teams playing each other. Oh, and by the way, the Clippers have beat the Lakers in five straight games. So they're probably not liking that anymore. I would chalk that up to anything else. And I mean, again, it went over by one point. So if this uh, Lakers-Knicks game is anything around that, I mean, you'd like it to be like a little more cushion, maybe a little above 220, something like that. I'd like to an under because without LeBron, they're really, really struggling to score. And uh, the Knicks aren't going to score a lot, I don't think. I'll have to check with Will Hill on what, what he thinks about this Knicks team. But from what I can tell, it's going to be more of a defensive performance. And um, the Lakers' offensive woes will likely continue. Uh, but on the Knicks side of things, just Derrick Rose out of the mix for them as well, uh, as it pertains to injury news. Clippers are facing the Bucks. Hosting them on Sunday, the Clippers right now are 27 and 27 straight up. Like that's straight up cool for the Clippers. I would love to be cheering for the Lakers right now, but they do not have it together. So let's just jump on this Clippers train for a moment, shall we? They're seven and three ATS in their last 10 games. And like I said, five straight wins over the Lakers. Not too shabby. 19th in efficiency differential. Uh, the Clippers offense. Nothing to write home about again, but twentieth in effective field goal percentage, and they've moved in the right direction that way, so that's good. Their defense is really, really shine. No news for you here if you've been listening to the pod, but seventh in opponents' points per 100 possessions, they're fourth in their opponents' effective field goal percentage. That's good. You want to be towards the top, by the way. I don't know if that makes sense when I read these. Um, and fifth in rim defense, tenth in efficiency def- uh, in defensive efficiency in transition so top 10 top five in a lot of these categories um so they're really gonna give uh the bucks a good test here because while the clippers have been playing with a lot of you know role play kind of guys just kind of came coming in and slapping a team together uh that's such an insult they've been doing so well but (laughs) Their defense, the culture of the defense and everything has come through really, really well for this team. And that's been a consistent, consistent thread throughout their season so far. zubok has been day-to-day. Of course, Paul George out for a few more weeks. Kawhi, oh, he's ahead of schedule. Great. Tell us when he's back. Uh, the Bucks are 31-21 and 21 straight up. They're 3-6 and six ATS in their last nine games, which is very interesting. I'm sure there's some reason behind that. Maybe there's some kind of injuries or people have been missing. But they've only covered four of their last 15 games, and one of those also games was a push. Uh, but they only covered four of their last 15. Five of their last eight went over, which is interesting. So I'm wondering if we'll see a really high total set for this game. And I'm wondering if the Bucks' offense will be able to completely overpower this Clippers defense. This actually should be a really good game. This will be a fun one to watch. Um Bucks offense is ninth in points per hundred possession, ninth in effective field goal percentage, so top 10 offensive team here. Fifth in efficiency differential. Again, efficiency differential just takes the team's points scored per possession and subtracts their points allowed per possession. So just really going to be interesting to see how they match up against this Clippers defense. But I'd be interested to see what this total is going to land at because if it's something relatively high, I'd like to consider an under where I'm really betting on the Clippers' defense more than betting against the Bucks offense. Um, and also betting on the fact that the Clippers' offense is probably not going to be stellar, even though it's been actually pretty decent lately, as of late in this last road stretch. Uh, but Bucks defense, eighth in opponent's points per 100 possession, 11th in opponent's effective field goal percentage. So maybe we do some see a total that's a little bit lower. Um, in this game, I imagine the Bucks are going to be heavy favorites. And for that reason, just looking at how they've been as of late in covering and the way that the Clippers have been as of late might be worth looking to the Clippers, especially Clippers with the home court advantage, you know, not on the road. So I don't know. Bucks, George Hill is out. Brooks Lopez is out, at least for the time being, but very exciting games coming up this weekend. Uh, so. Lots to look forward to. And thank you so much uh, for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I appreciate all of you to listen uh, to the podcast. I really do. And also... um, those of you who tweet with me on Twitter, that's really fun too. Um, and I love hearing your guys' feedback and love hearing that you're listening and, and hopefully that you're enjoying the podcast. So I'll be back for more fun and games on Monday. I believe we'll have Will Hill. Maybe we'll also have Dan Leach on. So come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bett Rivers.